When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fourth quarter on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Suns host the Mavs. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 9.30 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. And Big Fella, we spent a good part of this show reacting to the fallout from the Dylan Brooks flagrant two foul that knocked out GP2 in the early goings in game two, and that happened to be a Memphis Grizzlies 106-101 win over the Golden State Warriors. But lost in the shuffle a little bit is what happened with Draymond Green minutes thereafter, which is Draymond getting knocked upside his head by an elbow from Xavier Tillman that forced him to the locker room to get stitches. And in the process of heading into the locker room, Draymond decided to signal to the crowd that he's number one with both hands using the middle finger. And so I got to ask you, with what you saw from Draymond Green last night and the level of physicality from the Memphis Grizzlies, do you think that this is over in terms of this feud and Draymond playing the villain role in this series? No, he loves this. It, this is It's not over. I mean, this is part of why Dylan Brooks need to get, needs to get a harsh suspension mm. because I don't want this to get out of hand. But from Draymond's perspective, there are a few things at work here. Number one... Draymond, like it or not, is building a post-basketball brand with how he talks and how he acts. The the elbow and flipping fans off on the court that, you know, he takes the elbow and they're booing him so he gets uh, annoyed by it. But Draymond, by drawing the attention that he does right now, mm-hmm. he's already got a contract with Turner for Pete's sake. Yeah. So he's looking to add some zeros to that eventually. <laughs> he's leaning in harder to the Draymond character than he really ever has before. So that is a little bit, I I see a little bit of an ulterior motive there. Yeah, so he's turning himself into a caricature because he knows what his post-playing career plans already are. Absolutely. I mean, hang on, though. Just listen to what he said to the Memphis fans last night. You tell me if I'm off on this when we hear him say things like this. If you're going to boo somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood, you should get flipped off. So I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. But it felt really good to flip them off. If you're going to boo someone that get elbowed in the eye and blood running on your face, I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. And I'm assuming the cheers was because they know I'll get fined. Great, I make $25 million a year. I should be just fine. Big fella, he's not wrong in what he said, though. No. The Memphis Grizzlies fans were completely out of pocket because you don't know what was going on with Draymond, and he was bleeding profusely out of that right eye. And it just so happens that he was tested to see whether or not he had symptoms of a concussion. So any number of things could have been wrong with Draymond, and for them to cheer because he was injured and had to leave the court, they out of pocket for that. But of beyond, But beyond that, though, I am seeing an uptick in terms of Draymond acting out. And I, I get it. There's the connection with what his plans are 
after he gets done playing, he wants to be a member of the media. So building a base for his podcast and for people to be interested in what he has going on off the court, there could be an element of that within this. But I want to throw this question out there to you. Could there be an ulterior motive beyond what we're talking about with his media career? Because I'm looking at this thing with Draymond, and because we spend so much time talking about him, whether it was the Nuggets series and him matched up against Jokic, or whether it's this series and the first couple of games and back and forth and the Brandon Clark foul, all of these different things, could it be that Draymond is acting out in this way to potentially take pressure off of his teammates? It's been a while since we're talking about the Golden State Warriors having a real chance to contend for a championship. You got to go back to what, 2019? Is that what we're talking about? So a couple of years. So it's been a minute since Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green have all been on this stage. And Jordan Poole ain't never been here. Not in the role that he's in right now. So I'm asking you the question, is Draymond, by virtue of what he's doing in his actions, taking pressure off of his teammates so they can go out there and play free and easy? I I just would ask, what pressure is there right this second? Like, the Warriors, to me, don't ever look like a team that can't handle pressure. You're right, Jordan Poole hasn't been here before. And Jordan Poole did not play well last night. Wiggins hadn't been here before either. No, no. Totally understand. This is a third iteration of what this Warriors period of exceptional basketball has been. You had pre-Durant, you had Durant, and now you've got post-Durant. So now I look at Steph and I look at Clay, and they are still, along with Draymond, the the centerpieces of it all. Mm-hmm. Those guys set the tone. I don't think this is about Draymond trying to take pressure off of his teammates at all. Like, to me, that would be an argument that I would try to make if they were down 2-1, if they were down 3-1, sure. and you're just trying to ease it up a little bit. Like, they lost last night. Okay. But as we talked about yesterday, they needed to get one, and, and they, they got and they, their one. And they got their one. But what I will say is this. Coming out of the first round of the playoffs, there's a reason why Vegas had them as the odds-on favorite to win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, sure. I, I, so there are expectations when it comes to the Golden State Warriors let me say it this way then. Since you don't buy into him trying to take pressure off of his teammates, do you think his actions are more helpful or hurtful to what his team is trying to accomplish? Is it a distraction? Is it going to keep them from getting to where they want to be? Or is it going to help them get to where they want to be? I don't think it's a distraction. Uh, as far as help, look, they need Draymond on the court to be Draymond Green. They need Draymond special kind of crazy. Yes. They need that. Absolutely. Yeah. And Steph- he, He's their version of Dennis Rodman. Yep. And, yeah. and Steph knows that, and Clay knows that, and Steve Kerr knows that. They so have they no li- so they it. live with him getting I mean, ejected for the second half of Game One. Has anybody had a more of an up close front row seat to it than Steve Kerr? I mean, for Pete's sake, he saw it happen with Jordan, with Rodman, and with Pippen. Yeah, you know, this is the same thing. Um, it, it's just crazy in a different way. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I, I think they they have no issue with it. Like. When I look at the Warriors, they're like the last team right now in professional sports that I would ever worry about having a problem with a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like, they they have been there and they have done that. And, yes, there are guys who haven't, but I'm sure that there is a system in place where they pick up on it pretty damn quick. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm with you a 1,000%. And when it comes to Draymond's role, the one thing that I would be concerned about 
is him getting another flagrant two and be suspended for sure. a playoff game. But, uh, because, because that could be the difference in how a series turns out. We saw that in 2016 when they were in the finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's the one thing that I'm worried about because he is a guy that plays with a chip on his shoulder. He is an edgy kind of guy. He has a lot of emotion. You worry that in the heat of the moment, those emotions get the better of him in terms of his judgment, and it forces him to miss a game down the road. And I think you were onto it the other day when we talked about him immediately going to record his podcast afterward and trying to set a tone for maybe getting it flipped back to a flagrant one. Let me tell you what doesn't help that. Flipping off the fans. No. The NBA League office is not going to downgrade it to a flagrant one after they saw the optics of what you did in game two. In any way... Draymond never is going to get the benefit and then, of the And doubt. then he went full Antonio Brown in game one when he got ejected. <laughs> like, he did exactly what Antonio did. Brown did. Except for just, he, just, he just didn't take off the jersey, but he did exactly what A.B. did when he when he decided he was going to leave in that Jets game when the Buccaneers were visiting. Like, that that's, exactly, that's exactly what he did. So, I mean, the perception of Draymond is not going to afford him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to those borderline plays. And that's what you have to worry about if you're Steve Kerr, if you're Steph Curry, if you're Klay Thompson. Because although you have been there, you understand this is a key cog in order for us to accomplish what we set out to accomplish. 888-SAY-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. Is Draymond Green a distraction to the Golden State Warriors chasing another championship? We want you to weigh in on the CC call-in line. Coming up next. What does James Harden need to do tonight to help the Sixers get a win and potentially save Doc Rivers' job? We'll chime in on that. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Coming off of a 106-92 beatdown in Game 1 at the hands of the Miami Heat, can the Sixers make it a game in Game 2 of the series? You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. And big fella... Quite simply, can there be more pressure on James Harden going into game two? No. With Joel Embiid out, questions about his head coach, could there be more pressure on James Harden to justify Daryl Morey making the move in order to bring him over to try to help them chase a championship? You know what he needs to do tonight? What does he need to do? Jump in a time machine. Come Go back and be the guy from five years ago, three years ago, two years ago. Chris, how do we possibly expect James Harden 
to really turn back the clock here. How many times have we asked him to do it already and it hasn't happened? So I'm looking at this and I'm wondering how you win this game. Now, listen, I'll admit, when I look at games and I wonder how can this team possibly win this game in this situation, a lot of times there is a way. But I'm honestly looking for it here. I don't trust the Sixers shooters from the outside besides Harden to really have a good night. They can't. When you you don't have Embiid, especially, and you're on the road, how, I mean, Korkma's been terrible all year to begin with, let alone expecting him to come through and shoot it well. Niang was 0 for for 7 in game one. Who am I looking to and saying, that guy can save us tonight? It's not even Harden at this point. It's not. Well, I don't think it's Harden as the primary ball handler. Not, right, well, not, that, not for the entire game. It can't be. Harden is the best shooter on the team. So if you're Doc Rivers, you, you don't have any perimeter shooting outside of James Harden and occasionally Tobias Harris. So how about you take James Harden off the ball? You got a, a point guard that's more than capable than Tyrese Maxey. Let Tyrese Maxey shoulder some of the point guard responsibilities and run James Harden off some screens. Get him some catch-and-shoot opportunities. Allow that to space the floor to get those other guys some easy looks closer to the basket. If he's going to be me, on the that floor. Has to be, that has to be the that has to be the formula on how your offense operates in the half court with no Joel Embiid. Another thing, Carlin, since I'm going ahead and doling out the coaching advice that Doc Rivers should be giving to his team, how about this? How about do more locking down on the defensive end to create fast-break opportunities? Buckets in transition are an easy way to get role players into a rhythm, especially on the road. How about you ratchet up the intensity level on defense? Defense is nothing but want to. That's it. That's all it comes down to. And I get it. It's harder to play defense when you don't have one of the best rim protectors in the league in Joel Embiid. But that's where you got. Those are your cards. Your season is over with if you lose tonight down in Miami. So you need to come out and play like it, especially with the intensity on the defensive end. Those are the things that the Sixers can do to help themselves, but I do think we can get a more productive James Harden on the offensive end, you know, a guy that's willing to take more than 13 shots, if he's not thrust into this facilitator role playing the point guard spot for the entirety of the game. No, he can't be. You have to play him smarter, not harder. And here's the other thing, Carlin. He can't blow by anybody. No. So if he's your point guard, are you really worried if but, you're the on-the-ball defender? Think about this. In the first game, he had 10 drives into the point, into the paint. 10 drives. 10 total drives. They resulted in six points and one assist. That's it. That's not productive. That's no, not good not, enough. But he does, need, he does need somebody else to hit some shots because Embiid was not wrong last series when he was saying, out loud, we need him to be more aggressive, and especially now, without him beat on the court. Let's listen to Doc from earlier today at Shootaround on exactly what needs to happen with him beat out tonight for the Sixers to win. It's on everybody. It's not all on James. I thought James did passing well. Um, it's just on not settling for the first average shot. I thought there were good to great shots that we could have had, and, and we settled for average a lot. And Yeah, they were open, but we could get better shots, I thought. But that's on Tyrese, that's on Tobias, that's on everybody to make the right play, the right pass. Look, if we're going to absolve James, which is kind of what it sounded like he was doing there, James made good passes. We're just not taking good shots. Eh, 
I don't know if I'd buy that. No, I can't buy that either. And beyond that, James Harden had, what, four field goal attempts in the second half. He made one of them, and he had two assists in game one. I think he had 13 for the whole game. He had, thir- like he had 13 shot attempts in the whole game, but only four in the second half, which he only made one of those, and he had two assists in I the never, second half. I, two! I never, so ever, how, So ever. think about this. You can say that it's poor shot selection. You can say that it's on the other guys to knock down shots, but if the guy is only taking four shots and he the passes that he had in the second half only equated to two assists, is he really doing a good job? Probably not. Probably not. And so I don't understand why Doc is trying to defend it. Quite frankly, everybody on the Sixers needs to be better. In particular, James Harden and, yes, Doc Rivers. I'll give you one other one, though, that just kind of tickled me the other night Uh that I had to bring Uh up. Doc's catching a lot of heat over one player. That one player, DeAndre Jordan. Listen to Doc after the game the other night. I'm sorry we didn't play this sooner, but... This is the this is a man who has clearly had enough. Here's Doc on DeAndre Jordan. You know, we talked to our guys. Uh, they wanted a big guy, a big roller. Um, I thought in the second half, that's how he has to play every night. Those first four or five minutes were great uh, from him. That's what we need. Um, we also, we love Paul, but we... we we don't need Paul in foul trouble, and that's why you don't want to start him. So uh, we like DJ. We're going to keep starting him, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> that's what we're going to do because uh, our guys believe in him. It's funny, at halftime, we asked our key guys, because we were thinking about it, because I thought Paul Millsap gave us some decent minutes, and to a man, that's where they wanted to go. Guys, I ain't got the answer. <laughs> I ain't got the answer. What do you guys think? <laughs> We're going to keep doing it whether you like it or not. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. It's, it, I, I, you can't make it up with Doc Rivers. You just can't make it up. I'm kind of enjoying it now. It's becoming a good sideshow to this series because it's almost like he knows. And now, how agitated can he get? How many blanks can he not give? In a so he knows he's conference? going to be out. He knows it's over yeah. with. He knows it's oh, over I with. I think he knows it's There's over no with. There's no chance. Even if he finds a way to make this a seven-game series and they lose, there's no chance he can keep his job. I don't see it. I don't see it. Ask the big fella. Is is the big fella going to want to keep Doc? My guess is no. Embiid. And so it's all about what Embiid wants at this point. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's all about Embiid at this point. Yeah. It just has to be. I'm with you on that one. Frank in Los Angeles, hang tight on the CC call-in line. We're going to get to you on the other side of the break. But coming up next, what must the Mavs do tonight to get a win in Phoenix? Besides pray. Yeah. We'll we'll talk to somebody who's actually on the call for that game tonight and give a, get his perspective on what needs to happen for Dallas and Luka to get a dub in the desert. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. 
Not sure if you knew this, but the NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. You should know it, but we're just going to tell you again anyway. Tune in tonight as the Suns host the Mavs, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. And, Carlin, we got to go out to the CC call-in line because right now we're bringing on somebody that's going to be on the call for tonight's game. It's our favorite coach, ESPN radio NBA analyst P.J. Carlissimo. And, P.J., we appreciate a few minutes of your time, and thanks for jumping on with us. And we're going to get straight to it. The Mavs had no answers for DeAndre Ayton in game one uh, in Phoenix. What do they need to do differently in terms of trying to slow down DeAndre Ayton, or is that a part of Jason Kidd's strategy in terms of how he wants to attack the Phoenix Suns overall? Well, Chris, first of all, good to be with you. Appreciate the uh, dimension with uh, Testy and I being here tonight, and uh, it's going to be going to be a heck of a weekend. Sean Kelly and uh, uh, Corey are going to be in uh, San Francisco on the weekend too. It's going to be sweet. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, the, the problem with defending uh, Phoenix is just that. It's not an accident that they're the number one team in the league that they got to the finals last year. Uh, one of the reasons that DeAndre is so tough, and not that he wouldn't be tough uh, on any team, but when you got a backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker to worry about to, just to start things off, um, DeAndre, you don't overlook him, but, I mean, pick your poison. What are you going to try and stop their three-point shooting, their transition game? or try and stop when they get the ball inside to DeAndre. I mean, he set a record last year for postseason for playoffs in the NBA. He shot 65.8%. He's over that this year. We were laughing after the game when Kesty and I were doing the postgame show on Monday um, because he only shot uh, on Monday, DeAndre, in that game, 12 for 20. I said his field goal percentage went down. He was shooting 80% going into that game from the first round. So, uh, there's not much you can do. He, I mean, he's too big. Uh, he's bigger and quicker. He's a tough combination. He can shoot it out to at least 16, 17 feet right now. I think eventually he'll be a three-point shooter. He takes a couple of them. He's not ready yet to do a steady diet of it, but he's almost unstoppable in the paint. He loves that little jump hook off over his left shoulder you know, with his right hand, and he's just he's so springy. He gets in there. They can lob it to him when he gets – if you front him – he gets behind the defense, and they deliver those lob passes over the top. He's got great hands, so he can catch the ball. And if you're physical with him and just push him a little bit further away, you know, some of the bigs in the league, Chris, when they roll to the basket, if you make them catch it, you know, away like 8, 10 feet, you really cut off their effectiveness. He's capable of shooting the ball there or passing it to the corner to their three-point shooters, whether it's Mikel Bridges or Crowder, take your pick, Cam Johnson. You know, they have so many of them. So um, I, I do think you have to pick your poison a little bit. Um, I, I know J.K. is concerned with what DeAndre's getting, but I don't think he's as concerned with making sure that Book and, and CP and that transition defense doesn't get going. P.J., for Jalen Brunson, what did the Suns do to limit him uh, the other night, and what does he need to do to adjust tonight so he can get going a little bit? And as Jay Kidd said the other night, join the party. Well, I, I think they did do a good job. I, I don't think it was necessarily anything specific. Jay Kidd made a good point, Chris, with us this morning when we talked to him. He said, you know, when a guy goes off the way Luca did, and it wasn't that he was being selfish because I thought for half of the game, Luca, when he drove the ball into the paint, his intent was to pass it. 
He just drove it in, and he was looking to kick it out to their three-point shooters. Now, Maxi Tweeba especially got it going. Some of their other guys didn't shoot it quite as well, um, Jalen included. So, But J.K. made a good point. When some guy, somebody goes off for what, what did uh, he get, 47 or 45, whatever the hell he got, it's hard for the other player who's used to getting X amount of shots, who was getting things in rhythm in that first series. I mean, it's the numbers – that Jalen put up, again, some of them, three of them, the games without uh, Luca being there. So I think uh, Luca going off, I, I think Jay Kidd was kind of saying, you know, it's hard when one guy goes for that many points, it's hard for the number two guy to match his normal numbers. Um, but I do think Phoenix's defense has something to do with it. I also think Jalen Brunson will play well the rest of the series. I, I think that game will be the aberration. I think he'll play the way he's played all year. Uh, I mean, he's been tough, uh, and, you know, he can go inside. He can shoot it outside. Uh, I think if it is more evenly distributed, and Jay Kidd made the point, uh, I don't know if he, he referenced it, but, you know, how we all are to talking heads ever since then. Uh, Luke had more points than the other four starters combined. So it's, uh, they, they can't have that. They can't win um, if they do that, and they can't give up that many points. Dallas is a defensive team. If you told Jay Kidd before the game, we're going to give you 114 points, he'd have run with it and been so happy, you know, been elated. But, I mean, they, they got 114, and they never led in the game. And it's a misleading score. They played really well after those first three minutes. Uh, you know, I don't think they were embarrassed, but I don't think the game was as close as the score looked. Talking with ESPN Radio NBA analyst P.J. Carlissimo on Canty and Carlin. And, P.J., I want you to put your coach's hat back on because one of the things that was a little bit of a surprise for me is how bad Dallas was defensively in game one of this series. They've been one of the best defensive teams in all of basketball the entire season. And so it feels like there were a little bit lackluster in that department in game one. And I wanted to ask you, what do they need to tighten up on in game two in order to hold the Suns down in terms of the overall scoring and their efficiency from the field? Because it feels like the Phoenix Suns have been shooting over 50% in every single playoff game. Well, they have, and, and they're, they're closing in on a record. I think the only team that ever had more consecutive games at 50% were the Lakers in, like, 84. Uh, so, you know, the Suns have done it seven straight times every game this year, and uh, the Lakers have the record at 10. That was a long time ago. Um, they did, first of all, they're, they're one of, if not the best, offensive team. Maybe they don't average the most points, but, I mean, when you look at them, it's not an accident. They were the best team in the regular season talking about the Suns, and they're a great offensive team. So that's the first problem. Dallas is one of the best. Uh, they're an elite defensive team. They're one of the best. It's no, you know, no accident. Jake Kidd was, I think, a nine or ten-time all-defense NBA player. So that's what they make their living on. I never expected them to get 114 points, but I didn't expect you know Phoenix to do it again, shoot over 50% again. They were just under 40 from – the three-point line. They made every free throw. Kind of got lost in the shuffle. But, like, down the stretch when, you know, Dallas was hanging in there and Phoenix kind of thought the game was over in the fourth quarter. They had it down to six, but they made eight straight free throws down the stretch. Devin Booker and um, Mikel Bridges, 18 for 18 from the free throw line. So they never let it be close. Um, They just beat in so many ways. Jay Kidd must have used the word physical six times when we were talking to him this morning. We need to be more physical. They need to feel us. 
We need to be more physical. And he just kept repeating it. That starts with DeAndre Ayton inside. He can't score as easily as he makes it look. It's not that easy, but he makes it look easy. But he wants them to be more physical, not just defensively, but rebounding. They got out-rebounded. Trying to look at the box score now. 51 to 36. Oof, and they got pounded on the glass. So, again, that's the physicality. He wants to see them boxing out. He wants to see them bumping DeAndre inside. And he wants to see them stepping in front of cutters. When you picture a Phoenix game, you see all those assists and you see the ball moving. And so many times, like the guy who starts the action might be Mikel Bridges. He kicks it out the book. He throws it over to CP. And all of a sudden, Bridges underneath the basket because he cut hard is open. If you don't body those cutters, that's what happens. So uh, they need to be a lot more physical. Uh, they need to rebound a lot better. If they would limit them to one shot, that would make a big difference. Uh, the Suns, you don't think of them as a great offensive rebounding team, but they got 13 offensive rebounds. So, I mean, they're too good to give them that many extra opportunities. And Jay Kidd felt that a lot of that, their defense not being as good as it was in the regular season, was, was the lack of physicality. He, he just feels you've got to be more physical with Phoenix because if you don't, they're just going to cut you up. Coach, thanks for hopping on with us. Enjoy the call tonight. Great being with you guys. Thank you very much. All right, that's ESPN Radio NBA analyst P.J. Carlissimo. Coming up next, we got Frank in Los Angeles because he's going to be on hold on a CC call in live for a minute. <laughs> We're going to get to him right after this break right here. You're listening to Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And Carlin, Frank in Los Angeles has been waiting patiently. And we got to go to him right now on the CC call-in line because he got something to say about Dylan Brooks and the foul that he had last night that got him tossed. Frank in L.A., you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Frank. How disappointing. Frank, did you ghost us? Wow. No, Frank. How about this? This is unbelievable. Frank's Frank sitting been, on hold for a week. Frank has been on hold for a half an hour, no cap. Oh, no, 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 no. Frank's been on hold for two hours. No. Yes. It's been two hours? Yes. I Shannon, feel back me up here. He, there's no question he Frank has been, has been on hold Ryan, for a minute. He's been minute. there forever, has he not? He has absolutely been there and forever. Just, and, Frank has been on hold for at least over an hour and a half. And I over just, an hour look, and a half. Look, when we wow. teased that we were going to have Frank on, I picked up the phone Frank. and said, Frank, we're coming to you. You good? I'm but right the, here, baby. I'm ready to go. Got his own tease. That's what I'm saying. We had Frank teed up because he was so patient. Oh, my we God. We tried to get it to him. But I guess his point was that Dylan Brooks should be suspended for the series. And, Carlin, I don't know where this suspension is going to fall. I don't. But I do know it needs to be something that's heavy-handed to be a deterrent to curb behavior that's in this series and throughout the rest of the playoffs because the last thing that the NBA can afford to happen 
is for star players to get knocked out because guys aren't making basketball plays and they're going with flagrant fouls. I am expecting that this will be a game. I feel like it should be two. Yes. I'm expecting that it will be a game because there's going to be a lot of discussion here about intent over the next couple of days. My real problem with it is not intent. It has to do with the result of what happened. And when you go to intent, you can say his intent was never to hurt him. His intent was also never to go for the basketball. That's my problem. (laughs) It's not a basketball play. If you're not going for the basketball, can you really consider it a a, a run-of-the-mill normal foul? It's not. I don't even know if you can consider it a flagrant. Like, this is something that's beyond the pale. Like, this is beyond flagrant two. If there was a flagrant three, if there was such a thing, that would be what we saw last night in game two with Dylan Brooks. It's absolutely egregious. You got to protect the players. We're talking about a guy in GP2 that has worked his tail off to be a part of this Golden State Warriors team that's making a championship run. And now you've stripped away from him the opportunity to be on the court while his team could potentially go win an NBA title. Look, I expect it, as I said, to be a game, but it is incredibly sad to have that happen to that young man. You saw just how broken up Steve Kerr was about it. I think Kerr's going to be really upset if it's just a game. I think you'll see him talk more about it if they stop right there. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're just about ready to put a bow on this show, but we got to give a shout-out to all the guests that came through to give us a little bit of help. Sports Center anchor Kevin Nagande. Of course, he's an avid Philadelphia sports fan. He had to chime in on what's going on with his Sixers, and I think he's in the acceptance phase of grief when it comes to their season <laughs> being over. We had ESPN sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan, who's also a Sixers fan, and didn't paint a rosy picture in terms of the outcome I was of this series with I, the Heat. When she said she faded and beat all throughout the first round, I'm like, wow. Wow, right? That, this, that this is, is, I got to get my money. This is a guy that could make an MVP. <laughs> well, listen, she doesn't let her fandom get in the way of her objectivity, so you got to love her for that. ESPN NFL analyst Robert Griffin III, also known as RG3, even though we don't disagree on where he's at when it comes to the Dylan Brooks foul on GP2, it was still great to have him on the show and ESPN radio NBA analyst P.J. Carlissimo, the coach who's going to be on the call for Mavs Suns, and the coverage on that starts right here on air air at 9.30. So now that we done ran through that, Carlin, it's time for us to do a little three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is... Three and out. Three and out is brought to you by Indeed. Need to hire? You need Indeed.com slash credit. And for the beginning of three and out, we're going to start with a story that's not sports related, Carlin. 
although there are some parallels when it comes to things that we've seen at sporting events. So, comedian Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage Tuesday night by a man who ran up and tackled the stand-up comedian during a performance at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Police Department confirmed the incident, telling NBC Los Angeles that the man was armed with a replica gun that could eject a real knife blade when discharged correctly. It was unclear if he made an attempt to use the weapon. Now, Carlin, I will say, since this story first broke this morning, I've seen clips of the man running up on stage, and I will say this, the security around Dave Chappelle is top-notch because they did their damn job. I mean, they they stomped this dude out. If you're ever thinking of doing something stupid like that at any kind of a public event go watch the clip of what the guy looked like when he was getting on when he was on the stretcher going into the ambulance his arm was basically backward yeah and i'm not exaggerating when i say that yeah it wasn't good no it wasn't, it wasn't good but chris like when i was talking about draymond earlier when he makes the comments that he made he wasn't wrong with what he said but i do feel like we got to be careful here we saw into the Yankee Stadium a couple of weeks ago. I, I just worry about people right now overextending themselves and, and really not worried as much about consequences. So hopefully, you know, we don't see stuff like this continue to happen. Yeah, well, if the NBA security is anything like Dave Chappelle's security, we won't have them kind of problems. Yeah. Keeping it pushing in three and out. The NFL announcing the International Series games for 2022. And, Carlin, we got five of them. Here's the slate starting on October 2nd in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We got the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. And I, let me just say this. I love waking up on Sunday morning at around 9 o'clock and knowing I got football at 9.30. I just love yeah. it. I love it. So I, that game has a 9.30 kickoff. I, and I, listen, that's why I wish I lived on the West Coast so you could have that every week. There you go. The problem not is... To, not to mention the weather where it's like 80 degrees year-round. The problem is for me, though, that game, it always seems to lack in terms of quality, in terms of the play. Yeah. I never see great play in those Are games. you really complaining about the quality of NFL football in May? Stop right. yourself. That's fair. Stop yourself. So keeping it pushing, October 9th, my New York football giants taking on the Green Bay Packers. That's in London. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the Denver Broncos at the Jacksonville Jaguars on October 30th, right before Halloween. We'll see if the Jaguars can do a little trick-or-treat on the Broncos <laughs> with Russell Wilson. Uh, we've got the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in an unusual place, Munich, Germany. Really? Yes, that's November 13th. Okay. Munich, Germany. First so game that, ever in Germany. Exactly. And then to round out the international series, we've got the 49ers in the Arizona Cardinals and NFC West Showdown. And, of course, that game is in Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, Mexico. So there are your five international series games. What is the best of the lot for those games in 2022? Uh, I am probably looking at the last one. You know, if if the Cardinals don't fall off a cliff, am I wrong to say probably the last one? Who was the other one? Packers who? Packers Giants. Yeah, no, the last one. These are not, <laughs> these are not the last one. <laughs> I'm with you. It's probably the last one, too. It's probably the last one, too. Although I do think the game in Germany has the potential to get interesting. Let's uh, yeah. put that out there. Uh, okay. The game I'll take in Germany that. can be a little bit interesting. All right, so keeping it pushing, Carlin, we're going to give you a chance to improve your record with giving our listeners some of your plays for tonight's games. 
So I know you got some things out there. We're dabbling in a few things, trying to get the listeners some coin. So when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers at the Miami Heat, the Heat are eight-point favorites. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero, over 18.5 points. What you got? I, myself, am going to go with just a simple play. Two of them separately, if you want them. Mm. The Heat minus eight. Okay. Lockadini. Okay. Lockowitz. Lock, Lock it up. <laughs> All right. And then the top scorer in the game, Jimmy Butler at plus 260. Ooh, I love it. I plus love it. Plus 260. I love you it. You know what that is? Value. All right. So you got anything on the late game or you're good? You got to tap good. out of the late game? Listen, get out while the getting's good. All right. I feel well, good. Aaron Dolan said DeAndre Ayton, 29 and a half points and rebounds. So get in on that too. Thank you, Chrissy's.